People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply, see site for details. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. First non-episode recap in what, 10, 10 weeks? I'm really upset about it. I know. But you know something? You can't say we didn't have fun. We had a good run. First of all, time of our lives. Second of all, we had a good run, but it's not over yet. We're just taking a break. I know. A little bit later on, I want to get into Chris being on that podcast with Danielle King because she spoke a little bit about the timeline, and I think we got slight clarification. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Wait. Holy fuck. We didn't even tell them about what happened. What day was that? Tuesday? Yes, it was Tuesday. So Tuesday morning, Julie and I meet up early and we're doing our walk where we go all the way downtown and then we loop around the Freedom Tower, which isn't a route that we do often. I would say maybe monthly. So we're walking and all of a sudden there's like a sea of paparazzi, which is not uncommon. That happens, you know, all the time in New York. You're walking, you see a bunch of paparazzi and you're always asking them who's coming out, who's coming out. We're walking by and we jokingly say to each other, like, imagine it's Kim. And we say to one of the paparazzi, we're like, who are you guys here for? They're like, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> we turn to each other. We're like, you got to be fucking kidding me. So we're like, all right, let's just give it five minutes. Like, we are not going to stand here for a long time, but let's just give it five minutes just to see, because what are the odds? So we are standing, what do you think? 30 feet outside of the door of the Freedom Tower building? Yeah, I would say a little bit separated. There wasn't a big crowd of people waiting. Like a couple of people had had clearly figured it out and we were like standing like a little bit like behind them. So we're like, okay, let's just go get a coffee across the street and come back and we'll see what the deal is because we can't justify waiting here. Like we had shit to do, we had people we were meeting, whatever. I'm not kidding. Five minutes later, the flashes start going, the paparazzi start going and Kim just walks right the fuck out in the Balenciaga pant boots, short blonde bob. We turn to each other. We're like, are we dreaming? I almost missed her because I was staring at Chris Appleton. What are the odds of that? It wasn't like the kind of thing where we raced down, we're like waiting there. It was genuinely a coincidence and the coincidence happened to be Kim fucking Kardashian. No, it was absolutely insane. It was it was really one of the crazier New York moments that I've ever had. One of my favorite things about it, which we didn't even talk about, is while we were standing there, which again, I would say was maybe seven minutes from the time we got there to the time that she walked out, all these people were walking by and obviously they saw that there was a small crowd forming. They saw all the paparazzi. And so they would ask us like, 
do you guys know who's coming out? Like that typical thing where the person's walking by, then they stop, they turn around, they take their AirPod out and they're like, do you guys know who's walking by? And we're like, yeah, we think it's Kim. And to watch everybody's reaction to that, there was not one person that then just kept walking. And there was not one person that asked for a last name clarification. (laughs) Right. I just assumed like everybody, everybody was on our page with that one. And we assumed correctly. Right. We really did. That was, it was wild in retrospect, just like the timing of it all. An absolutely thrilling moment to watch Kim and see her in the flesh like that, but like in her natural habitat and in our natural habitat was, I'm sorry, that was a moment. It was a moment. I also have to tell you, I said this before, I will say it again, Chris Appleton carved by the gods. That man is so wildly attractive. Like I said, I almost missed Kim. Yeah. He's in these like gray joggers. He's just, he's just sexy. He's the hottest person I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of overwhelming. Yeah. But anyway, I thought you guys would appreciate that little story. We turned to each other after we're like, wow, that was, <laughs> that was pretty fucking cool, huh? And, and it was. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about Chris on this podcast because her and Danielle King, who is the Kardashians executive producer and showrunner, were on the Deadline podcast Crew Call hosted by Anthony D'Alessandro. And they discussed a few things, but I first want to talk about the timeline that they alluded to because they said we won't have to wait a full year for season two, but that they're not done filming yet and the goal is to finish by the end of June. So it's June 23rd right now. Figure it's another week till they're done filming, assuming it goes on this timeline. I still think we could be looking at a fall release. I think so too. I mean, listen, if we're not waiting a year, it depends where you're taking that year timeline from. If it's not waiting a year from the premiere of season one, then it has to be fall because the premiere of season one was winter. If we're not waiting a year from the end of season one, then you get that fall and winter to kind of play with. I'm still thinking, if I had to guess, like uh, maybe October, November release. Yeah, that feels that feels doable. And like I said, up until then, I guess we'll do the old episode recaps unless there's a week where there's enough to do a solo episode like this week, and that's, that's how we'll handle it. And we already have a breakup to discuss. Yeah, we got a lot to get into. But in terms of other things we found out from this podcast, I want to talk about the Pete of it all in a second. But we got confirmation that the Black China trial will be shown and also Courtney and Travis's wedding, which I would have put money on Courtney and Travis's wedding being shot. I was very surprised to hear the trial was. Well, one of the things that she says is that it was not originally meant to be filmed. And then I think they started filming certain aspects of it. That was one of the main things that they spoke about on the podcast were like, of course, they have their boundaries and certain things that they don't want filmed and certain family times that they don't want filmed. And then it always kind of happens in this way where they start out saying like, okay, this is a thing that isn't going to happen, but like maybe we'll bring one camera. And then it like kind of evolves into like, okay, now we're filming it. And I think that's what they were alluding to happening with the Black China trial. And I have to tell you, I appreciate that strategy because it does feel more authentic. Like, I have to imagine that I'm sure just the trial seeped its way into their everyday lives. So naturally, it was something that they were going to talk about. And I find that that type of a storyline actually appeals to us more as viewers because it feels like a more natural integration. When they talk about the style of filming like that, I always think about the older episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Not older episodes, like Honestly, like middle to later seasons where they would have these big moments break and it would be shot on an iPhone. Like Steph Shep would just be there filming because they knew that it was such an important moment and camera crews weren't around. So to a certain extent, they've always kind of had that policy in place. You know, the question that this obviously begs, which I don't foresee this being the case, but I do think that it's a legitimate question to ask or just something to ponder. Clearly the 
Kardashian most heavily involved in the Black China trial is Rob, even if this specific suit was against the family. So that makes me wonder, will he be making an appearance on next season? Feels unlikely, but I think it's at least worth asking. I don't think that it will be anything where Rob is shown or filmed because he also wasn't a part of this specific trial. I could see a scenario in which they are on the phone with him discussing what happened. I could definitely see something happening where there's continuous phone conversations and you get that little on the little in the corner on the phone Rob pop up. Right, that feels a little bit more plausible. I want to talk about Pete. How do you feel about I mean, that? sign me up. <laughs> Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So they spoke about how he doesn't want to necessarily be an active part of filming, but that he won't hide from the cameras if they're around. And they were saying that they never really try to persuade him to be on the show because filming to him means something very different than what it means to them. Because to them, it's kind of just a continuation of their real lives. Whereas for him, there's an aspect of it that just feels more inherently performative because that's what he's used to. You know, there's a camera and he performs. That's what he does as an actor, as a comedian. And I hadn't really necessarily thought about it in those terms, which is why to hear her say that, it made a lot of sense to me. 
Yeah, I had that moment too where I hadn't thought about it like that at all. In my mind, whenever somebody in their lives doesn't want to be on camera, it is always just like privacy. Like I can never wrap my head around it being anything other than like, oh, I just want privacy. Like I I just don't want to be part of the show. And so for it to be a Pete thing where it's like actually being on camera means something very different to me and I will come across as my least authentic self, aside from just the fact that I don't think it's really his thing, there's also that added reason of like, this isn't necessarily the best way to showcase my true personality. Right. And I think that to have that that self-awareness is important. But I also think it will be so interesting to see what it's like during that Met Gala footage because he's obviously going to just naturally have a big part of that episode. Well, right, because another thing they said on this podcast was they confirmed that we will definitely get the behind the scenes of Kim at the Met with Pete. And something I was thinking about when I heard them, one, confirm that, and then second, say the thing about him maybe feeling like it's a little bit more performative when he's in front of the cameras, is I have to imagine he would be hyper aware in that moment of not wanting to like, this isn't the right word, but not wanting to hijack the camera presence almost. Like, I really feel like he will have a very legitimate understanding of this is her moment. And not only is it her show, this is really her moment. And let me just be an additive side character. And especially knowing that this is maybe his mindset about filming, I really could see that being a hyper-present thought in his mind. Oh, I could too. I think that we will see him in a capacity where he is Almost like exactly like the Ripley's fitting. He's there. He's supportive. He's helping her in any way he can. He's off camera cracking a couple of jokes like that. I think that's his role both in the show, as we'll see whenever he appears, but also like kind of in her life. I know. And I think that he appreciates that role. I do too. I think that he's thrilled to have it. I always think about the power dynamic between the two of them because it's like, you would so automatically assume that it's almost like, I don't know how to word this correctly. Like it's almost like Pete is just a simp for her. Like that she is just doing her thing and there he is following her around like a puppy dog at all times. And it's so not the case in the way that she explains it. Like, of course she's Kim. Like she's always going to be on top in that kind of metaphoric way. But also she was the one that reached out first. There's that interesting, like almost transfer of power back and forth. I have to tell you that watching some of the interviews this week, I have become more and more aware of that exact thought because in the beginning, the way that I personally viewed it was very much what you described, which I think is objectively wrong. I truly do not believe that he is this like puppy dog following her around. But for the first week or so when we found out about this, that was the only way that it even made sense to me in my mind, which isn't like the kindest thought, but just (laughs) being honest. And I'm now realizing like, that is so not the case. And I don't think that she's doing it on purpose to make the public very aware of that fact, but in what she says, you can really take that away from it. This seems to be an equal situation. It does seem to be that way. It just kind of blows my mind. But then you also see that dynamic of like her telling him to take the two hats off, like her kind of bringing him back down from like that goofiness while also loving that about him. I don't know. It's just the more we get to see their relationship, the more that I'm interested in just the sheer dynamic rather than the parts of it that I thought that I would be more interested in. Like I always thought once we got to see it, oh, I want to see what it's like, their sexual chemistry and the way, the things that they talk about. Like it's so much less about that now because I'm almost starting to be able to envision those things. It's just the dynamic between them and that I hate saying power play because I don't think that exists in their relationship. I think it's something that exists in our mind that's just obviously going to come up throughout the course of their relationship. But I can't say I'm not fascinated in watching that play out. 
Oh, totally. And in that Ripley's video that you were referencing, which you guys remember, it's where they're at Ripley's for the fitting and she's kind of holding on to him and he's wearing those two hats and she takes them off and he's like, why are you taking them off? And she's like, you know, just in case we want to use this content for something. It's such a small little anecdote, but to me, it's almost representative of the fact that I feel there's a lot of mutual learning going on. And in what she learns from him, maybe it is just a more lighthearted approach. Maybe a lot of it is humor. I mean, even jokingly, when she was on Jimmy Fallon, she was talking about how he taught her so much about SNL and the world of comedy. And there's things like that that maybe feel a little bit more educational. But I think in the reverse, obviously Pete's charm has been and continues to be his authenticity and just being like, how did I get here? Like, I'm just some kid from Staten Island. How did I end up as an A-list celebrity? And not to say Kim is not authentic. I just think she has such a more sophisticated understanding of quote, how to be famous, and almost just like the little details to pay attention to in terms of how they come across. And I actually think there's something that he's really taking from that, and he's happy to learn from that. Amazing point. First, to touch on the thing about him learning about fame from her, absolutely, because we also have to keep in mind that Pete is now expanding beyond SNL. Like, this is a life that Pete is taking on where his attempt now is to, like, really blow up. And I know it's funny to say that because it's like, blow up, how much bigger can he get? But there's a whole world of entertainment in terms of movies and TV shows that he's only just beginning to tackle. And leaving SNL and kind of venturing out on his own is going to blow him up in that way that he's been trying to achieve. And so as his success continues to rise, because, of course, there's a difference between being at the top of your fame and being at the top of your success. He's pretty much at the top of his fame. He's not yet at the top of his success, I don't think. And so I think what he picks up from Kim in that way is helping him get there. For sure. And also, I think this understanding of like, you know what? We obviously exist in very different fields and I have a craft she doesn't have. She has a craft I don't have. However, one thing she has figured out is how to stay relevant and almost how to sustain this level of fame and this level of success. And I'm sure there's almost a respect that he he pays to her in that regard. Does that does that come across the way that I mean it? Absolutely, because also, God, I have so much to say about this, because also, now forget about the fame and the success. She's also, I guess training could be the right word, but I don't mean that with any sort of controlling or negative connotation. Like, she's almost training him in a way where it's like, okay, if this relationship's gonna work and you're gonna withstand the amount of, publicity that is going to come from being with me and being involved in this family. Here is what you need to know because otherwise we're never going to make it. And you know something? That is a playbook that every man that involves himself with his family honestly needs, specifically if you're involved with Kim. There should be a specific class for that. I am sure that on some level, they all all get it in one way or another. Because by the way, I this is very off topic, but related. Clearly, that's not the core of his friendship with Scott. I'm sure they do just get along and they have a lot in common. And as Scott says, he just genuinely enjoys his company. I'm sure on some level, there is something when you are a new man coming into this family that you find a sense of comfort in Scott because he can really, quote, show you the ropes in terms of, I know how overwhelming this all must feel. And yes, it's different for Scott. He was on the come up with them. But like, let me just give you some tips on how to survive. Yes, Scott's role is almost like Scott's role is like, if you can make it through all of the stuff that's going to make you want to run away, you will be the happiest, luckiest person in the entire world. Like, think about Scott, who spent probably the first, I don't know what, eight seasons of Kardashians, maybe 10 seasons of Kardashians, 
just begging to get away from the family and have it just be him and Courtney to him being on the new season of a new show with them saying that the best part of Courtney was the family. Like that's the shit that Scott knows better than anyone else in the entire world. He could have run away years ago, but instead he has gone through all of it to still be a part of this family. And I think that if anybody's going to stick around long enough, they're going to learn a thing or two from Scott. Right. I, I almost feel like if the Kardashians were a sorority, Scott's role is new member educator. That is really funny. Yes. That's that's how I view it. Yeah. Like Scott's like the type of person where he gets like a little too serious about the history of it. Like right. you enter the home, <laughs> like you enter the Kardashians house, like you're in Palm Springs. Maybe he got to go. Courtney's not there that weekend. Pete comes with Kim and he's like, he's like taking Pete around and he's like, let me show you into like some of these things. Like this is something that they took from the house. And this was Robert. It's like, he's giving him like a full right. education. Like he takes right. it like so passionately. He's like, you know, in the summer of 91. Right. That's what I'm saying. He's handing out the brochure to Pete. Like <laughs> that's how I'm envisioning it. <laughs> Scott, ma- Scott makes Pete watch the OJ trial again, but from the <laughs> lens of viewing it as a home video. <laughs> So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter-looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out LumifyEyes.com to learn more. I would like to talk about Chloe and all these dating rumors for a moment, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> okay, so last week we post this photo from Kardashian Social, and it was a screenshot from a Dumois post. The subject was, When will Coco enter her BDE era? Does Chloe have any potential love interests? I need someone to come sweep her off her feet. Why did Court and Kim get to have all the fun? And there was that paired with the DM that Dumas apparently got that said, I heard she was seeing another NBA player. Dumas responds, Do you know who? And the person says, No, my boss couldn't remember the name. Sorry. 
So Kardashian Social posts that and says, who knows if this is true? And I know she doesn't need anyone, but I cannot wait for her to have someone like Kravis and Keat one day because I know she will. And Chloe comments, definitely not true. I love you. Thank you for the nice wishes, but I'm not seeing a soul. I'm happy focusing on my daughter and myself for a while. So that comes in. And my initial response was, honestly, I could see her maybe dating a little. I don't think this early on she'd be dating another NBA player. What was your initial response? I would say no NBA players right now. Yeah. So a few days later, multiple articles come out saying it's confirmed she's dating someone new. Didn't pay too much attention to it until it was confirmed by E! News because for whatever reason, and one could argue this was potentially more relevant when Keeping Up was on E!, I just take E! News's coverage of the Kardashians slightly more seriously than other outlets. We've talked about this before, right? Yeah, and so much of that has to do with the sources. Like, their sources are still the same as when they were on E! Just because the show left doesn't mean their informants left, you know, their loyalty. So it says, E! News can confirm that the Good American CEO, 37, is now dating someone new, a private equity investor who was introduced to her through her sister, Kim Kardashian, at a dinner party a few weeks ago. A source told People, who was first to report the news, quote, the relationship is in its early stages. You know, doesn't sound like the craziest thing in the world. No, I don't think it sounds like the craziest thing. I could see this being a situation where Kim set Chloe up. And Chloe was really hesitant, was like, I, I just don't want to date right now. And Kim was like, put yourself out there, get a feel for dating again. It doesn't have to be anything serious. Just like allow yourself to kind of take those steps. And I think what you're seeing now isn't so much like her in the beginning stages of a relationship. It's probably just her in the beginning stages of starting to take those steps. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that she probably would feel slightly more willing and slightly safer going out on someone that was suggested by Kim. Because I feel like not only does she know that Kim has her best interest in mind, but also Kim is taking no bullshit in terms of if she saw even something slightly concerning or slightly inauthentic, there's no world in which she would ever even consider setting Chloe up. I'll tell you, if I'm Chloe though, even if I really like this person or even if I really, really like the next person I'm dating and I like kind of fall back into it, I am keeping that shit as private as humanly possible. If I am Chloe, one of my biggest anxieties in this is the public knowing about my dating life again or the specific person that I'm dating rather than the fact that it's happening. Which is so shitty because you remember a while ago when we were talking about Paris Hilton and I was saying, you got to hand it to her. Like, no matter what I will say, every single time she dates these guys, she falls head over heels and she proudly posts about it and then... When it doesn't work out and she's posting about the next one, there is clearly not an ounce of embarrassment or feeling like she should be ashamed for expressing her love in that way and then having it not work out. And I truly believe there's nothing to be ashamed of. I just think a lot of people would feel slightly embarrassed. Paris seems to be immune to that. Chloe is obviously on the other end of the spectrum. And I understand that because people are so cruel. But I hear you. I think that if I were her, unfortunately, I would feel a lot of anxiety and fear around that introduction. Yeah. And I also think it's less about the idea of like, oh, like Chloe's going to get hurt again. Or like, here's Chloe with the next guy. Like, I don't really even think it's that. I just think that the person that she dates following Tristan is going to create an absolute media frenzy. And so the thing with Tristan is like, obviously they've had their ups and downs and they were on and off. And since the first cheating scandal, but it's not like there was anybody in between where it's like, you know, you've kind of gotten used to the idea of her dating somebody else or seeing her out with somebody else. You haven't at all in the slightest. And so the next person that comes after that is going to be a really, really big deal. 
It's very interesting though, and just follow my thought process for a second. It's not a fully formed thought, but it just popped into my mind as you were talking. I very much understand if I'm her wanting to keep all of this on the DL. Like I said, I think there's a lot of anxiety and fear around it. And you probably want to protect this almost as a sacred space, given the fact that your last relationships have been so publicly aired. That being said, there's a reverse of that, which is there's probably something to the idea of almost familiarizing the public with the idea of you dating, meaning, okay, let's say she's spotted at dinner one week with this guy. A few weeks later, she's leaving an event with another guy and not in any sort of a slut shaming way in the slightest, but just normalizing the idea of Chloe dating so that the second she's spotted with a man, it's not, holy shit, this is the next serious thing, which I know probably feels slightly counterintuitive because in her mind, I'm sure she's like, I don't want to bring any of this out until it's something worth talking about. And I do respect that. But I will say there is an argument to be made for the other side. Yeah. I mean, I completely get what you mean. It's almost like desensitizing the public to your dating life where it's like it then becomes the norm for them. The only potential issue in doing that is that you're almost like you're almost sacrificing whoever you're dating for the purpose of the larger picture, which I don't think is something that Chloe would ever do or like go about something in that sort of a way. I don't know. I Listen, the thing with Chloe is I think that obviously there was a lot of blame that was put on Chloe during the Tristan scandal. And the blame wasn't the fact that he cheated. It was the fact that she kept going back or trying to make it work. And people were obviously split on that. A lot of people felt she was wrong for that. And a lot of people understood what she was saying in terms of trying to keep her family together. But at the end of the day, like all of that came from a place of fuck Tristan. So Chloe moving on and dating other people and putting herself out there, I think would be met with a really large positive result because people just want her to be free of Tristan. People want to see her dating. People want to see her happy. But just because people are in support of the thing you're doing doesn't mean that the media attention is any less. It probably actually makes it a lot more. Just because it's positive media attention doesn't mean it's not anxiety producing or too much to handle. And so that's something that she kind of has to be cautious of going forward because of course that's going to happen. Well, wait, just to go back to what you said earlier, Let me be clear. I am 1000% not in the belief that she would ever sacrifice like the person that she's temporarily dating just for the larger idea of desensitizing the public. That's not how I view it. I'm just saying in a hypothetical world where she could really internalize this idea of like, I'm just going to have fun and whatever comes with that comes with that. And I'm not saying that she's going to necessarily get there. If I were her, I have to imagine I would definitely air on the side of really wanting to keep these things private. However, if she was just going to go about her dating life and go to the restaurants that she would want to go to, regardless of what paparazzi was going to be there, I could see a world in which that was actually really fulfilling for her. So not like she's going on public dates just for the purpose of familiarizing the public, but more so, I don't know, but more so approaching it in a way that feels slightly more casual, which does feel counterintuitive, but I just think it's so frustrating that as Chloe, she can't just date without it being like, who's Chloe Kardashian's new mystery man? Things are heating up. Where it's like, think about your average person. Maybe they're just hooking up for a few weeks. Right. And honestly, that's probably what she needs. I absolutely think that's what she needs. I can envision a world in which settling down with one serious person right now is in her best interest. And I think that her family would probably say the same thing. And the other thing is that coming off of the relationship with Tristan, even if she's not entirely clear in what she wants and needs going forward in a partner in the future because she hasn't necessarily had that to mimic, 
she knows damn well what she will not tolerate. And to me, that is equally as, if not more important than knowing what you do want. Like across any aspect of life, knowing what you don't want is one of the most empowering tools we can have. Oh, oh my God, absolutely. And it, it'll be interesting watching or not watching because so much of this is naturally going to go on behind the scenes, but Chloe kind of navigating the dating scene just in just as a concept because it is either something that can empower her where she feels really in control of the situation and she's building up her own concept and idea of what she feels trust is again. And there's a lot of things. That's why the dating is so important also is like she needs to really rediscover her trust. But also the thing with dating is that it can go the other way where she can start dating and be like, holy shit, like this isn't worth it. Like almost have this realization of like, I'm not saying this will happen. I'm just saying I could potentially happen based on the way we know dating goes. Like almost have this realization of like, oh my God, this is why I just stayed in this relationship for so long because this so isn't worth going through. Right. And I know you're not saying that that's what's going to happen with her. And I truly, truly do not believe that it's the case, but of course it's a possibility. I also think though, a very legitimate interim on all of this, which we probably haven't properly acknowledged, is the very legitimate and and hopefully probable reality where she just has this deep sense of comfort and gratitude and happiness with being single and being with herself. You know, it can't be lost on us, the timing of all of this in terms of what happened with Tristan and her moving into this new house. Like if she wants it to be, this really could be the beginning of a new era for her. And I have to imagine that some of that would most likely need to start with a deep sense of like self-reflection and really being comfortable with who she is physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like in every way, shape or form. And I, I do believe she's conscious of that. I think so too. And I actually was thinking while you were speaking is like, that's the thing that I'm least concerned about in all of this. Like, I think that the one thing that Chloe is going to do is make sure that that is all in line in all the case before she puts herself out there again, because I actually think that it comes from a place of control because that is like the one absolute thing that she can control, right? Like how you go about your own life, how you go about your own feelings of like self-worth and all of that stuff. I'm not saying it's not work. It's a lot of fucking work, but it's in your control. Dating, a lot of it's in your control, but there's still always going to be another person, another factor there. And so I feel so confident in Chloe's ability to kind of like get her ducks in a row before she puts herself out there. Right. Especially because control is huge for her. I mean, self-proclaimed and we see it manifest itself a lot in terms of the way that she organizes and takes care of her home. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think that when she looks back on her life, you know, 30 years down the line, she will say that this year was probably one of the most transformative. Yeah, I think so too. Isn't it crazy to envision the way the Kardashians will look back on their lives when they're, you know, in their 60s, 70s, 80s? I think it's crazy to envision how we're going to look back on their lives when we're in our 50s, 60s, 70s. (laughs) It's also crazy to mention. (laughs) What? It's also crazy, like our own lives. (laughs) We just skipped right over that one. Well, you know, I can't think of anything more than one month in the future. So I don't know why you're even bringing that up as a point. But it's like so funny that when me and you think about being, you know, in our old age, hopefully together thriving, that we're (laughs) like looking back at the Kardashians, like we have whole lives that we're going to live as well. You know that, right? I know, but I just can't envision a scenario in which you and I aren't on a walk still talking about the exact same things. Yeah, I know. Because I already know that no matter what the Kardashians are doing, I want to know about it. Don't tell me about your kid's soccer game. (laughs) 
Julie, how well do you know me to know that my kid's soccer game is just not going to be the number one thing on my list? Many other aspects of my kids' lives, but the soccer I game, know, I um, can't imagine. <laughs> you don't know till you're a mother. We're going to be walking and we're like, you remember summer 2022, Tahiti? You're like, I could never forget. <laughs> just the two of us walking, talking in your dad's accent about things that didn't even happen to us. <laughs> yeah, that just feels right, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Okay, so I'm sure you guys have seen the news that broke yesterday that seems to be confirmed in that Kendall and Devin Booker have split. According to ET, quote, Kendall feels like they're on different paths. And another insider told ET that, quote, they've had discussions about their future, but they're not on the same page. A source also told E! News that, quote, Kendall and Devin hit a rough patch recently and have been split for about a week and a half. And I guess my initial response to this is I remember a month or so ago, we were just hypothesizing, talking about them on the podcast. And I think I said, I really do think they're endgame. I see an engagement in the next year or two, and I think that this is going to be her future. And that thought really did exist in my mind. (laughs) But I got to tell you, I could not be less phased by this. Okay. Well, let's be honest. Like, I don't think it's that you're not phased by it. I think it's just you were never invested in it to begin with. Well, Kendall just gives us nothing. And and I get it. I respect it. If you want to live your life this privately and somehow still benefit off of the success and fame that comes with being a Kardashian-Jenner, go for it. I mean, that's really the best of both worlds. But because of how little she gives us, I naturally am 
significantly less enthusiastic about what goes on in her life, both personally and professionally. And honestly, that's probably how she prefers it. Yeah, I think so too. There's one person that we're all sad for in terms of this breakup. You know who it is, right? Stormy. Stormy. Of course, of course. I mean, what do you think? Honestly, like I know this is a really big deal as far as headlines go. It's Kendall Jenner and Devin Booker breaking up. They've been dating for a few years now. I mean, people really thought this was Endgame, myself included. What is your reaction? Do you also feel slightly apathetic? Yeah, I mean, I thought they were Endgame also, but just based on, I think, the fact that Kendall had shown us more than she had with any other relationship, which was, by the way, barely anything. Um, And I also think the way that Kendall was speaking about it in terms of less, a little less about him and a little more about the general concept. But I think she was ready for that next step. Like, I think she's ready for an engagement. I think she's ready for marriage. I think she's ready to start actually thinking about having kids. I think she's aware of how young she is. And I think she knows that she has time. But I think those are steps that she was ready to start to take. And I think that's probably where the breakup comes from. Like, when they say they're on different pages, my guess is that Kendall was the one that was ready to move forward. Um, So if that is the case, then I can't be overly shocked about it. I just don't know enough about either of them to be invested. Like, I feel like when I am really invested in a celebrity couple or I'm really upset when they break up, it's because I have enough information about them to feel that way. I don't in this case. Part of me almost, like, going forward wants to gaslight Kendall. Like, I don't know why. Like, I just have such an urge to gaslight her and be like, maybe your relationships would work out if you shared them with the public a little more. (laughs) Right, right. I know. Going back to what you said for a second, though, that's interesting. I thought it was the reverse. If you asked me how I envisioned this going down in terms of them being on different pages, if let's just assume that was true for purposes of this conversation, I thought he was the one that wanted to go forward and she was feeling hesitant. Interesting. Very interesting. I don't think so at all. Well, just to be clear, there's nothing that either of them have said in an interview that made me feel that way. It's really just a gut feeling. I think for me, I like don't know how to phrase this in a way that, whatever, I'm just going to fuck it. Okay. There's two things. One is what we just said about her giving so little to the public. And then naturally, as a result of that, people feeling less enthusiastic or less engaged or potentially less interested in her dating life because we don't feel like we've been on the journey, which again, probably intentional on her part. At the same time, I think that through the show, since that is the way that we've gotten to know her the most, even though it's not that much, I have a hard time um, trying to understand the depth of her emotional side. And I'm sure it exists. I just don't feel that I've seen it on display in the way that we've seen the other siblings. So naturally, when you're trying to envision them dating, I think it's harder for me to envision her in a relationship than it is for me to envision the other siblings in a relationship. Um, yeah. I, I, don't, I mean, I get what you're saying. I don't think you get her true personality. And I think that there is probably more of a personality there than you're getting. I think she's just so shy in front of the cameras and so not herself that you never really see the real Kendall. But I think that the way that I view Kendall is like almost through her friend group where I'm Mm -hmm. like, you have such a fun, close friend group. There's obviously something about you that contributes in that way and is additive to that group as a friend other than the fact that you're Kendall Jenner. Like there has to be something deeper there. I just think we're not privy to it as the public. And so I don't know, like, I I don't even know where I'm I'm getting with this and bringing it back to your point. I just think that like it's impossible to judge her even based on what we see because I still don't even think that's the real her. Whereas like with the rest of the family, specifically Kylie, like you can judge her based on what you see even in those short little windows because she's showing her real self to you. It's just every so often. 
Right. And that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, if you look at Kendall Jenner strictly from a career perspective, she is a supermodel first and probably a few other things second before ending up a reality star. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think that that's where she excels the most, even if she's being, you know, heavily financially compensated for it. Obviously, her presence adds something, but I think you're either born for it or you're not. Kim, Courtney, and Chloe just so happen to be really born for reality television. It's not everyone's thing. I mean, personally, it's my worst nightmare. Like I know I would not come across at all in my true self on reality TV because I'd probably be so concerned with other aspects and like being self-conscious. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. So I don't blame her in the slightest for maybe not bringing to the show the side of her that she brings to the people that know her the most. That's why I think that the hate she gets is unwarranted because I think it's unfair to not acknowledge that clearly this is not what comes naturally to her and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But it is interesting because I will say that people kind of have the same reactions about the Kardashians as a whole as we have. Like I have seen so many TikToks. That's like my review of the Kardashians and they had on every single point we hit on. It's like less Kravis making out, less Scott being a little whiny, family being a little more sensitive to Scott, more Kendall and Kylie, like be on the show more. And so it's funny that people also have that reaction of like, Kendall is the queen of yes, girl, give us nothing. But at the same time, we want to see more. Like we are craving that. We want to see you in a different environment. We want to get a little bit more from you. So I don't think it's entirely that people are constantly hating on her. I just think when you have a family of people that you know so well that you can sit here and have a podcast week after week where you analyze everything about them and then you kind of hit a roadblock with one member of the family, it's like, come on. We just like, obviously it's your choice. I respect it. Like you were kind of forced into it. You weren't, you did not choose this life. You were 11 years old in the first episode. Obviously if going forward, you want to hide and you want to keep your personal life secret and you have all of these boundaries. I fucking get it. But I do think it's interesting that even though she doesn't give it to us, people still want it. And it's clearly a positive sign about her as a person. Oh, absolutely. It's not like, I don't want Kendall on my screen. It's like, I want to understand her better, which you're right. That is a compliment in the scheme of things. You'd rather have someone say that about you than say you'd rather just not have to experience them as like a entity. Right. Yeah. I don't know how the fuck we got there from a Devin Booker breakup, but. It, you know that. what? We always end up somewhere. Such is life. <laughs> uh, what else do you want to say? Anything else? Oh, you know, one thought that I had actually before we wrap up going back to Chris on the podcast, they had a really interesting discussion about how they're not focused on any spinoffs, which used to be a huge part of the makeup of Keeping Up with the Kardashians was just the opportunity for spinoffs because they would go to different locations and they didn't have kids and they didn't have anything tying them down. Like even Chris says in the interview where she's like, I mean, I don't really see us doing like the Kardashians take Palm Springs, but I then thought it would be really interesting and really probable, I think, to give Courtney and Travis their own spinoff. If they wanted it in a heartbeat. Yeah. But that's yeah. the only thing I can envision them doing. Yeah, me too. I don't necessarily think they will, but I could see it. I would like that. I Because I, I think I would like a little separation. <laughs> I have to tell you, when she said that, I had the exact same reaction as you, which is like, Obviously, there's not going to be spinoffs. The way that their lives are set up now, it just doesn't lead itself for that to be the case. But I don't miss it. Like, I don't ever want them to try to recreate a Chloe and Courtney take Miami. That should exist as it is untouched because they will never, ever be able to recreate that magic at the beginning of their fame. It would be different, of course. It would be fun and we'd be partying with Dave Grutman. It would be lavish and extravagant. But you'll never, ever go back to what those early days were like. And I just want those to be cemented. 
Yes, you're 100% right. And I'll tell you what it is. I think audiences, um, I think audiences are not as fun as they used to be. I think that audiences feel that they've progressed past a spinoff situation where the beauty of the spinoffs were you took a show that was a little bit lower brow and then you made it even lower brow than that with far more fun. Like those spinoffs were like a cult following almost type of thing. Like, you know how I always say to you, the sequel of every movie is better than the original. Like uh, Princess Diaries 2, Mamma Mia 2, give it to me all day. I don't need the original. That's almost how I feel about the sequels where I look back on it. I'm like, oh, that was art. Like those spinoffs were the sequel that we all needed. Audiences aren't aren't ready. They're not in a place where they can handle that now, unfortunately. And that's okay, you know? Like, (laughs) I'm I'm not going to fight it. Yeah, I'm sad for you, but I'm not going to fight it. No, exactly. Okay, well, we'll see you guys tomorrow for Bravo and then next week for a regular episode. Thank you for listening. We love you. 